Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. This morning we're wrapping up with finishing strong, finishing strong. And so uh, we're busy with uh, running this race and the series uh, speaks for itself, uh, using a lot of analogy with regards to running because uh, this life that we are uh, living, it's a, it's a, the Bible often use metaphors and analogy of a race that we are running. And uh, there's a lot of uh, practical components to that that we need to consider and we need to ask ourselves. Who of you wants to finish this race of life strong? Who of you wants to finish strong? Good stuff. So you guys have got the desire, but all us, we all know that desire doesn't automatically come to pass. Right? The desire you have to, 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 um, I've often used this, uh, this analogy, uh, the desire just to, um, be in, in, in a greater shape, physically speaking, it doesn't just come to pass. You have to purpose it. It comes with intentionality. Either going to the gym, doing some workout, going for a run. Um, on uh, Wednesday morning, Kathy and myself wanted to go for a run. And uh, all of you know that Wednesday was uh, 36 degrees Celsius. So at half past seven, when we wanted to go for a run, it was already 25 degrees Celsius. And uh, so um, we went and I ran for about 500 meters. And then I... I thought to myself, man, this is crazy. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. There's a bunch of big, uh, big trees. There's some shade there. Let me go to the shade. And I did some uh, exercise there in the cool of the shade. So I still, uh, I was still intentional. I still uh, worked up a sweat and burned some calories. But uh, ultimately, the desire that all of us have to finish strong doesn't just happen by default or by accident. It needs to come with purpose. There's a great saying that goes, it's not about how you start, but how you finish. Right, all of us start something. For example, it's easy to walk out of your door with your gym clothes on, your tackies on, and then the heat of 25 degrees catches you, and then you're like, mm, not today. And you go back into the air conditioning room. Or it's easy to start a new diet. All of us have started new diets and not completed them, right? Anyone here? Good. Anyone here start a new fitness program and they didn't finish it? Good. Thanks for the honesty in the room. Uh, those who aren't honest, uh, I'll be praying for you. And so all of us have started something, but then we don't finish it. And we don't see the benefit because we started. We see the benefit when we finish. And so within this race that we're running, it doesn't matter. Or let me rephrase. It matters how you start, right? But how you finish matters more. Because people tend to remember the end, not the beginning. Look at any funeral. People remember the end. We recently celebrated Uncle Charlie's life, uh, who uh, was a family member of uh, uh, Tiger Book Campus for a few months. Uh, before that, he was part of a Stellenbosch Campus, and he was a big blessing. And it's amazing how to look at his life, how it started, and then how he grew and he matured in the things of God. And everyone remembered the end. His children specifically. They had a horrible uh, memory of him and in their, their upbringing and as a, as a father in the, his early days. But towards the end, they were so thankful for how he embraced the message of grace, the gospel of Christ, and how it completely changed his life. And so uh, everyone remembers the end much more than they do the beginning. So we have to ask ourselves, do I want to finish strong? And this morning we're going to look at uh, what are the components and key elements <clears throat> excuse me, to finishing strong. 
because it's not going to happen by accident. Now, just reflecting on the past year, um, you have to consider, like, how's this year gone with regards to where you are currently? Are you more on the side of finishing strong or are you more on the side of finishing barely? And I'm not talking about career. Let's not get, let's not get confused here. Um, because you can finish strong with your career, but then finish poor and weak as a child of God. He doesn't love you less for finishing poor and weak. But there's so much benefit to you purposing and aligning your heart with His. Because if you do that, then you can still finish strong with your career as well. And actually uh, be fruitful in your career. Because God isn't opposed to having a good career. God is not opposed to you being successful in your job. And having good investments. God's not opposed to that. But if that's the only thing that you're focused on with regards to the race that you are running, you're missing the plot. And again, God doesn't love you less for missing the plot. Amen? That's amazing. That's how gracious God is. But you are missing out on abundant life here on earth. You are missing out on experiencing heaven on earth because of what you are purposing, what you are running after. And it's so important for us to, to reflect and measure this race that we are running in accordance with the Word of God, the will of God, because otherwise we can be fooled and uh, uh, be deceived to think that, man, I'm doing well. I'm running really well. I'm doing this good. I'm doing that good. But then when we come to the finish line, we like celebrate and it's like, oh, amazing. And then you're like, you don't even uh, place on the podium because you ran your race, not God's race. You ran according to your will, according to your desires, not according to His will and His desires. And it's not a religious thing. It's not a thing of, oh man, it's such a strive. I have to now give up this. I have to give up that. Man, when we come to know the heart of God and we truly start doing life with Him and, and enjoy relationship with Him, the things that He's purposed for us, the things that He's inviting us to, becomes a blessing. It becomes a, a joy to sacrifice when there's an opportunity to sacrifice with regards to even giving. It becomes a joy to, 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 to choose His will and to, to uh, even, um, I can't remember recently, I, I don't know if the testimony was with regards to life group or ministry night on Friday evenings where, where someone had a, a difficult day or difficult week and then they still purpose to engage in the ministry of uh, whether it was life group or ministry night and they said how how refreshing and uh, res restoring it was just to be there. In the physical, they maybe didn't want to be there. They were tired, it was rough, it was tough. But they still purposed to be there. And how after being there, they were refreshed, they were energized. Now, there's a difference between numbing and refreshing. Who of you here knows that a Netflix series will numb you? It's not going to refresh you. <laughs> It can be refreshing if it's maybe educational and it stimulates your brain in a, uh, in a different way. But ultimately, watching something, even though you reclined, maybe, and you're sitting down and you're enjoying a, uh, a box of popcorn, it numbs more than it refreshes. Coming to this gathering, this meeting this morning, some of you are maybe tired and you could have thought of like, ah, oh, laying in on Sunday morning, it would have been maybe nicer. But by being here, you are refreshing your soul. And your soul is important. Uh, 3 John uh, chapter 1, only one chapter, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
So God wants you to be health, and a lot of our health, our physical health, is linked to our soul health. How well are you looking after your soul? Are you refreshing your soul? Are you ministering to your soul? Are you allowing nature out there, the beauty of a sunset, the beauty of a sunrise? Are you embracing that and allowing it to minister to you, for example? Because God created those things, not just to kind of uh, look past and kind of go on with your day and think about all of the work that you need to do, but we need to sometimes just stop and pause, take a deep breath in and release. Take a deep breath in and release. Because life is such a rat race and we need to get things done. And we need to do this and we need to do that. Just sometimes to pause for a minute is not going to ruin your day. All of us got a minute in a day. A few minutes within a day where we can just stop and pause and breathe. and Say thank you Jesus for your life. Thank you Jesus that I get to do this life with you and with the body of Christ. And so it's vitally important for us to consider these things. 2 Timothy chapter 2. How we finish this year is going to have a big impact on how we're starting next year. So if it helps immensely if we're finishing this year strong. And ultimately God doesn't work in years like uh, the Christianity, uh, the, the life of Christianity on a walk as ambassador of Christ. It doesn't come to a pause when we finish the, 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 the year services on the 24th of December. Praise God. Maybe for some of you, you kind of switch off your Christian button and your ambassadorship button and then you wait for the next uh, start of the year when it's church again and things like that. Uh, please don't. Uh, you're, not, you're not adding value and you're not bringing about change and you're not doing yourself any benefit by switching off. And so um, we, as a church community, we always try and do and uh, facilitate different things and check in and uh, facilitate ways for people to remain connected and, and receive the word. And, uh, but ultimately as well, like, who here wants to remain a baby for the, the rest of their life? <laughs> it's fun to be a baby in some ways, right? Like, uh, you don't have any responsibilities and all of that, but... Ultimately, as a Christian, you don't have the luxury of remaining a baby for the rest of your life. You want to grow up. You want to mature. You want to take on responsibility. You want to start adding value to what God has called you to. Because there's a joy in that. There's freedom in that. There's, there's a, a satisfaction in that. But God's not going to force it on you. We're not going to force it on you. But there is going to be continual challenging. Continual sharpening and embracing what is true, what we need to hear versus what we want to hear. Because what we want to hear doesn't always help us mature, right? But what we need to hear in a season, that helps us to mature. Step into more of what God has for us. So 2 Timothy 2, 22 to 26 from the Message Translation says, Run away from childish indulgence. Run off the mature righteousness, faith, love, Peace, joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. Refuse to get involved in inane discussions. They always end up in fights. God's servants must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. <sighs> There's a lot to be said here. And, um, 
Man, it's amazing to just see the, the practicality of, of Paul's ministry to Timothy and to the body of Christ and to his call of leadership and his ministry to, uh, to the saints. And I just want to draw out a few things here. <clears throat> Firstly, it's quite interesting, I'd say, there in the beginning. Joining those who are on honest and serious prayer before God. That is something that I'm really uh, thankful for. As a ministry, we've, we've started to engage more in active prayer, but also um, active prayer by purposing prayer as a, as a community. And on Tuesdays, uh, from 2 o'clock till 2.30, we have a, um, a ministry-wide prayer online. So if you want to carve out uh, 30 minutes of your time on a Tuesday, every Tuesday we've got that prayer time. On Sunday mornings, before we start with setup, we've got some prayer and we're engaging. We're praying for the meeting and uh, praying for mission trips and whatever God is leading us to. But it's awesome to have just kind of entered into the season and, and re-embrace and redefine again what prayer is about in the time of prayer. And oftentimes, I think if all of us are, are, are honest, our weeks aren't necessarily filled with purposeful, active prayer, right? Honest and serious prayer. If we have to be honest with ourselves, how much of our weeks are filled with honest and serious prayer? We rather... Listen to worship music and just embrace like the goosebumps and things like that. And none of you, obviously, present company excluded. Uh, there's nothing wrong with with listening to worship music, but worship music isn't gonna isn't gonna mature you first of all. And we don't see the 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 picture that we often see in in church and the picture we often see on YouTube. And the emphasis of worship that we see in those platforms, often we don't see much of that in the Bible. But what we see much in the Bible is prayer. And so if we are engaging more in something that we don't see much in the Bible and less of something we see much in the Bible, we have to be challenged with that. We have to ask ourselves the question, why am I more focused on this rather than that? And it's quite easy, actually. One word starts with a big C. Anyone know what that word is? Carnality. Listening to worship music is more emotional. It's more entertaining. Watching a, a worship performance, like it's entertaining. But when we engage in prayer, yes, you might experience like something and you receive wisdom from God and a, a word for someone, you receive that, and that is like... Uh, um, uh, in some ways, um, enjoyable and it's like a, a, um, administered to you. But ultimately, a lot of our prayer and engagement in prayer, we're not going to see immediate fruit or results necessarily. Anyone here know what I mean? So there's engagement in prayer and you, you, you're praying into specific things. For example, praying for your hit list. Father, uh, um, give me the, uh, help me see the boldness and the courage that I have in the Spirit of God so that I can step out and minister to this unbeliever in my life. Help me and open up doors of opportunity for me. So you're praying that, but now there's an action for you maybe to do after that prayer. So that's what I mean by sometimes we pray specific things and we don't see immediate results. And oftentimes praying for an unbeliever, someone who's not saved in your life, it's going to require prayer upon prayer upon prayer upon prayer until you see results. And that's not fun for the carnal man. Because the carnal man is driven by emotions, driven by seeing things right now. Right? We're living in an age that 
we call the, the, the uh, microwave culture. Press a button, 30 seconds, it's ready. Seeing immediate results. If your uh, internet buffers for 10 seconds, like you become frustrated. <laughs> and so we, we're living in an age where everything is right there. It's convenience. It's in your face. It's immediate. Immediate gratification. Prayer doesn't have that. But there's a purpose and an invitation for us to press in with regards to prayer. None of that was in my notes, but I trust that it blessed someone. Refuse to get involved in inane discussions. They always tend to end up in fights. God's servants must be must not be argumentative. Is that a word for someone? <laughs> but a gentle listener. Is that a word for someone? And a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. Proverbs is full of uh, instruction on this and in life in general, it will do you good to keep your mouth closed and listen. To ask questions, to seek to understand. In your marriage, it will do good to keep quiet, ask, listen, seek to understand. But with regards to our relationships, those outside of the family of faith, because that is what the context is talking about there, there's a Argue, being argumentative and just wanting to fight, fight and wanting to be right. That's not the nature of God. It's not about being right. It's about helping someone understand truth and see the love of God. Who of you know C.S. Lewis? Great apologist, was an atheist. He came to know Christ. And uh, amazing story, amazing ministry on uh, apologetics, how to communicate and convey your faith. Super wise man, right? Probably uh, wiser than most of us in this room in the natural speaking now. Because ultimately, all of us with the Spirit of God, we've got the wisdom of Christ and that is all we need. That is the wisdom that uh, will lead us to experience life in its fullness. Amen? But on the carnal front, naturally speaking, probably one of the wisest men, wiser than anyone in this room and he said the following and it would be good, good for you to take note of this in light of the scripture a man or woman convinced against their will will be of the same opinion still so it doesn't matter how clever you are doesn't matter how well you argue doesn't matter how good you feel in the moment how stupid you make the other person look if you're convincing them against their will they will still stay the same and have the same opinion after that argument. Stop wanting to argue and win the fight. It's not about you. It's not about being right. It's about revealing Christ to the person that you are talking to. Be a listener. Ask questions. Keep your cool. Firmly. Patiently. This reminds me of a, um, a quote by Theodore Roosevelt as well, one of the, the presidents of the United States. And uh, this picture that we're seeing here on uh, uh, um, just keeping your cool and don't be argumentative. Um, he said this in a speech. Sorry, it was uh, one of his speeches. And he said, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, 
but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew victory nor defeat. And so there's a calling for us to keep focused, to keep at what God has invited us into. Stop arguing with the people in the arena. Stop arguing with the people who are telling you what to do and how to do it. Run the race that is set before you. Try. If you fail, try again. And this is a big challenge and a big uh, flaw within the body of Christ worldwide. It's this wanting to get to some form of place, spiritually speaking, where Okay, now I know enough. Now I can start being the ambassador that Christ has called me to be. You'll never know enough. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deception from the enemy telling you that you need to go through another course. You need to do this. You need to have more Bible behind you. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the greatest learning is when you take what you have and you start sharing that with someone. Start where you are. Start with what you have. Because ultimately, this is a reality. Each person in this room, I know most of you to some way or in some way or degree, you know something from the Word that someone in your life does not know. What are you going to do about it? You know someone or something from the Word, the nature, the character of God, the goodness of God, that someone in your life does not know. So you have got something to share. You've got something to give. So start. And you're maybe not going to do it perfectly. Maybe you're going to misquote something. That's fine. Take your Bible with you. Open up the Bible. Don't try and quote like just to look fancy. Um, get into the Bible. Open up the Bible. Let them read the scripture. So you've got, you've got something. Just give it to them. Don't wait for, uh, for everything to just be in your lap. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8. Again, in light of it, everyone remembers the end more than the beginning. Ecclesiastes 7 8 says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. And so again, uh, people are going to remember the end, how you finish. Um, if you don't finish something, people don't remember that. There's a bridge in Cape Town that wasn't finished. Like it's, it's like a sore eye there. And uh, people are maybe remembering the boulder of that bridge and there's a story behind it and it's a sad story. Um, but people remember things that was finished. Even if it's, uh, um, oftentimes, if you look at the, the leaning tower of Pisa, like I don't know exactly why it's leaning. I haven't done the research. So you can maybe uh, um, uh, share with me after the, the, the service. Um, but maybe the boulder didn't intend for it to lean, Right? But he still started something. And he finished what he started. And it went skew maybe after time. But at least he finished, right? He could have uh, enhanced. I said, like, oh, I wish I never did this. Today it's a landmark that people know. And so just, just start something and just go with it and remain the course. So we all, want to win, uh, we all want to finish strong. But we want to finish strong within the standard and the, the race that God has called us for. What we've been qualified for. So keys to finishing strong. Okay, we're going to wrap this up.
as quickly as possible. But remain seated. Um, the keys to remain, uh, keys to finishing strong. Firstly, Jeremiah 17, 7-9. We want to look at the picture of abiding in Christ, abiding in Jesus. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it's not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. And this is a picture really of finishing strong. And the same words come up in, uh, by David in Psalm chapter 1 as well. And uh, this is a picture, uh, this tree planted by the rivers is a picture of abiding in Christ. In John chapter 15, we won't go there, a popular uh, phrase and a picture with regards to this. Or maybe let's go to, um, to verse 5 quickly from the message translation. John chapter 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated from you, from me, you can't produce a thing. And so again, with regards to finishing strong, separated from me, separated from my will, my purpose, what I've been qualified you for, that is separate from God. So you can be busy with a lot of things, separated from God. You can achieve a lot of worldly success, separate from God. And that doesn't mean a thing. That is not fruitfulness. That is not what you will be rewarded for in heaven one day. That is not what you will get a well done, good and faithful servant for. It's laying up yourselves treasures in heaven, which is people, souls, men and women's salvation. So this tree planted by waters and what we see in John chapter 15, it's not just a, a matter of once I've received Christ, now I'm plot. Yes, you are planted into the kingdom. You are grafted into the body of Christ. You, you, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But the fruitfulness that we produce comes from remaining within our minds and our thinking and our decision making within the will of God. I'm going to say that again. The fruitfulness that we produce in this life, and it's obvious uh, if we look at the people around us and even our own lives, just because you are in Christ and Christ is in you, just because that's a reality and a truth doesn't mean you're bearing fruit in all seasons, right? Some of you have... Uh, um, uh, born less fruit this year, at times born more fruit at years. So it's, it doesn't line up with this picture, right? So there's nothing wrong with this picture. We just need to understand that this picture is in the context of yielding to the Spirit of God in you. And that yielding doesn't just come by default. Yielding to God's leading, to His Spirit, to His ministry, comes by intention, by praying in the Spirit, spending time in the Word, being in community. Being challenged with the word, challenging one another with the word, all of that comes into play. And when we participate in that, when you yield to the spirit rather than the flesh, when you yield to the will of God rather than your will, when you want to establish his kingdom rather than your kingdom, that is when we start bearing fruit in season, out of season, regardless of circumstances. Colossians 2 verse 5 to 7 says, For though I am away from you in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, delighted at the sight of your standing shoulder to shoulder. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. It's Colossians 2 5 to 7. Standing shoulder to shoulder in such orderly array, 
and the firmness and the solid front and steadfastness of your faith in Christ, which is that leaning of the entire human personality on Him in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom and goodness. As you've therefore received Christ Jesus, walk in union with Him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him, fixed and found in Him, being continually built up in Him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, as you were taught, abounding and overflowing with it uh, in thanksgiving. So again, in Colossians chapter 2, we see here, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, the King James says, continue to walk in Him. So what does continue mean? It's not fixed, right? There's a fixed, being fixed in Christ, spiritually speaking, but then there's a continuing in what Christ is leading you to. It's progressive. It's, uh, it doesn't look the same, right? It's not just in a fixed position. If I'm going to continue along the, this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> these tiles walking in that direction, this is continuing. This is not continuing. So there's a continuing in growing in the truth of the word as it finishes off here in verse 7. Just as you were taught, abounding and overflowing with it in thanksgiving. So there's a, an element, a vital element to us running our race and finishing strong that includes teaching, which is word. Teaching in the truth. Teaching in the reality of Christ. That is what the Christian life is all about. Growing in understanding because... 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God's will is for all to be saved and all to come to understanding of the truth. Right? So all of us here, if I'm understanding correctly, are saved. We've experienced salvation. But our experience of salvation deepens as we come to understanding. As we come to understand the truth of the reality of Christianity. And so it's vital for us to continue growing. Continuing on this process of seeking understanding. Psalm 37 verse 1 to 5. And uh, I want to just hone in on this picture of trusting God again as well. It says, don't follow after the wicked ones or be jealous of their wealth. That's a word for someone. Don't follow after the wicked ones or be jealous of their wealth. Don't think for a moment they're better off than you. They and their short-lived success will soon shrivel up and quickly fade away like grass uh, clippings in the hot sun. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in His eyes. Fix your heart on the promise of God and you will dwell in the land, feasting on His faithfulness. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh and He will give you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life and as you trust in Him along the way, you'll find He pulled it off perfectly. This is an amazing picture, and uh, King James again says in verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And that picture of delighting is, uh, with a heart specifically, it's allowing a heart to be pliable, like clay, in God's hands. Right? Delighting yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires in your, of your heart. It's got nothing to do with the Ferrari that you want. It's got nothing to do with the house that you want. It's, not, it's got nothing to do with the promotion that you seek. Delighting yourself in the Lord and Him giving the desires of your heart is linked to you giving your heart over to God. Allow it to be formed and shaped by Him. And guess what? He gives you desires to desire. He gives you things to desire. 
the people who went to the uh, Belgian mission trip, myself and the team going to Albania, it's a desire that was formed in our hearts because our hearts are pliable in God's hands. And I'm not saying those who aren't going... <laughs> Some of you are like, man, that's harsh, Etienne. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But that is, that's the picture that comes to be when we give our hearts and we allow it to be pliable in God's hands. He forms it. And before we know it, we have new desires. And so maybe you're thinking, you know, you're wondering like, man, I don't want to like embrace too much into this relationship with God kind of thing because I'm afraid he's going to send me off to India or to Pakistan or to Iraq. If that's where you're at, it means that your heart hasn't been given over to God. But when you do, and when that becomes a reality or an invitation, it's going to be something that you want to do, desire to do. And you won't be satisfied until you do it. Because you've allowed him to shape your heart. And so God, again, he's not after your actions. He doesn't want people to just leave the country and go to Iraq and all of these places. He wants your heart. Because if he has your heart, you'll have your life. And he'll be able to direct you. And that's a, a, another one that often we, we kind of miss. Verse 5. Um, go, uh, give God the, the right to direct your life. And as you trust in him along the way, you'll find he'll pull it off perfectly. Oftentimes we want to do things and we choose to do things and we make decisions and we're like okay God like I've done this now will you bless this will you make this succeed that's not what the word teaches us give God the right to direct your life because if you're giving him the right the, 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 the right he's going to direct you and guess what if he directs you what is going to be the result success not, I'm going to do it, God, please make this succeed. No, when you allow Him to direct you, there will be success. And you will finish your course with joy. You'll finish it with strength. Okay, let's wrap this up. Uh, point number two, remain focused. Acts 20, 24 from the Living Bible says, but, the life, or, but life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord. Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. The King James says, uh, I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. The gospel without the grace of God, the grace without the gospel is not God's desire. It's linked. It's used interchangeably here by Paul. The gospel needs to be about the grace of God. The grace of God without the gospel is not the grace of God. It's linked together. It's a message about God's love, about His goodness. And so Paul says here, and the King James says it beautifully, none of these things move me. There are certain things within this chapter, within uh, Paul's life, and he says that these things don't move me. I'm not moved by circumstances. I'm not moved by poverty. I'm not moved by being shipwrecked. I'm not moved by being in prison. None of these things move me. Why? Because I do not count my life dear to myself. at sacrifice obedience, discipline. And in this, when I approach life like this, there will be a joy at the end of this race. I'll finish my course with joy. But again, there needs to be a focus, a determination, discipline, obedience, sacrifice. 1 Peter 5, 8, another one with regards to focus and keeping focus. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. 
The devil is not a roaring lion. He does not have power or authority over the believer. We've been given power and authority by Jesus to go out, John 14 verse 12, and do the same works as he did and greater works than those. Because we've received the Spirit. Right? The power. Acts 1 verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. Witnessing of what? Of the goodness, the power of God, the will of God. But there is an adversary seeking whom he may, may devour. And so one of the amazing uh, pictures, and we'll uh, finish off with, with that in a bit, being stronger together, when you are a lone ranger, you will get shot. When you are a lone buffalo, you'll get caught by the lions. Don't isolate yourself. Don't separate yourself. Because you have an adversary, and we need to be vigilant. Be sober. Uh, there's again, uh, there's a being alert, some translations say. So we can't just switch off. Don't think for a moment when you switch off and you just numb and you indulge in carnality that the devil isn't like rubbing his hands and thinking, hmm, my opportunity is coming. There's a race to run. For example, coming back to last week as, as well, discipline, obedience, sacrifice, Michael Phelps. Don't think for one moment he was like, within his, his, his great career, all of his achievements, for one moment he was like, Yo, I'm going to maybe take off a little bit because I am the greatest. No one's going to be better than me. I can guarantee you that, that that thought never crossed his mind. There was a continual uh, urgency, a continual alertness to be the best and to do what is required to succeed. Okay, then uh, third point. Living a life of mission versus going on mission. Now you can live a life of mission and go on mission, but we need to understand that there's a calling to live a life of mission more so than there's a calling to just go on different missions. And Second Timothy, um, we'll close in the next uh, 10 minutes, so just uh, stay seated. Do not disembark. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. Um, let's jump to... Verse 3, actually. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. So be alert to all these things and overcome every form of evil. Carry in your heart the passion of your calling as a church planter and evangelist and fulfill your ministry calling so again there's a there's again no it's not a, a switching off there's a continuation in what god has called us to and part of that continuation is receiving teaching not teaching that just soothes your ears because you're not going to get that at tigerberg at this church because a good word is it's a challenging word. So that means that we're going to be challenged in the word. We're going to challenge one another in the word. We're going to grow in the word, the truth of the word. We're not just going to seek out teaching that just uh, says what we want to hear. We're not just going to um, go to brothers or sisters in Christ. We're always going to tell you what you want to hear. Within your marriage, please don't go to people who are continually telling you what you want to hear. Because you'll wreck your marriage. Go to people who tell you what you need to hear. And that will be a blessing to your marriage. There's much more that I want to say. For the sake of time, I'm going to um, just jump to the last point on keys to running this race and finishing strong. Is we are stronger together. 
And I'm not going to go to the counts of Exodus. You can go and check out Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 to 24, where it's this beautiful picture of Moses and his father-in-law instructing him to delegate responsibility so that his ministry can actually be fruitful. And his father-in-law telling him that if you continue on as you are, trying to be the answer to everyone, you'll burn out and you'll not finish your course with strength. So look at the people around you. Delegate. And delegation is not a thing of, I don't feel like this, you do this. No, that is not kingdom delegation. Kingdom delegation is empowering someone to walk in their calling and their purpose and we're sharing the load together so that the kingdom can succeed so we can be healthier together. Because we are stronger together. Proverbs 27, 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So when iron sharpens one another, what do you see? Iron. Sparks. So there's going to be sparks in this, these relationships, but we need to embrace them because without the sparks, there's not going to be sharpening. The blade cannot be sharpened. So we need to plug ourselves into community, open ourselves up to correction, to instruction, to challenge, so that we can be sharpened together and be successful in this race that we are running. Because we're not running alone, we're running together. Last passage, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, from the Passion Translation. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onwards as we anticipate that day dawning. So there's a, there's a, a great movement within the, the body of Christ where there's this, this, this kind of mindset of, I can do it on my own. I can grow in my relationship with God on my own, in isolation, yet that contradicts and opposes the whole Word of God and the composition of the Bible, considering just the fact that most of the New Testament letters are written to churches, communities. And here in Hebrews we find this instruction to, to encourage others, to find creative ways to encourage others, and motivate them on acts of compassion, doing beautiful works of expressions of love. And so these beautiful words and expressions of love, again, linking to this race that we've been called to run. Doing charity and profit, uh, charity works and uh, showing compassion in that way, whether it's uh, feeding schemes and uh, uh, soup kitchens, all of that is good and well. But again, someone with a full tummy having a roof over their head, not having Christ, doesn't have life. So if you give them those things without giving them true life, you're not giving them anything. You're doing them a disservice. You're operating outside of your design and your purpose. Because yes, those things are good, but it needs to be running alongside our main race, which is to preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, revealing the love of Christ. And I love this picture in um, the root word uh, that we find Provoke. We find in the King James it talks about provoking one another unto love and good works. Uh, is the root word where we find again the word spur. And some of you are already thinking onion rings. 
And that's not what we're talking about. Spur, it's talking about the spur on the back of a cowboy's boots that's spurring the horse to run faster. But it is uncomfortable for the horse, right? It's not hurting the horse, but it's creating a discomfort. And so if you feel uncomfortable here in church, at some point throughout this message, I'm doing my work. If you're not feeling uncomfortable in a relationship where someone is challenging you and urging you onwards, that friend doesn't really love you as much. Because this is our calling and purpose to urge one another, provoke one another, to put pebbles in each other's shoes. It's uncomfortable when you've got a pebble in your shoe. You want to remove it. And that's the purpose. I want you to leave here with a pebble in your shoe and do something about it. There's a response required of us to the Word of God. Without a response, they will not be maturing. And so we want to encourage and uh, uh, encourage one another, provoke one another. It's not about religion. It's not about telling people, you need to do this, you need to do that. No, it's in a healthy relationship, urging one another. And even urging one another by, by the way that you're living life, by, by how you're just conducting yourselves. Oftentimes we, we're in an environment where someone is conducting themselves in a specific manner and it's challenging, right? Because you want to act in a different way. And then by them acting in that way, it challenges you to rethink, like, am I now going to do this? Am I going to tell that joke? Am I going to... And so it's important to surround ourselves with people that urge us, that provoke us unto love and good works. And love and good works is with regards to God's will, salvation and people understanding the truth. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca